So the first time I got introduced really to music, I, I was um, I, I was four years old, and the show Mannix was playing on TV, and I went over and I played it on the piano when I was four. And so my parents thought that I was a child prodigy, and I, and I wasn't. I wasn't a child prodigy. I was just a guy with a good ear. So I had a, like a stage mother who would, you know, push me to get on stage and to and to get the the bigger roles in Pippin and Oliver, um, you know, Oliver, Oliver, you know, think about the sun, Pippin, you know, like totally. That's what that was my thing. I was like stage kid. She get, I, I did ballet, tap dancing, um, and so I was just used to being um, on stage. And then I, she got me an acoustic guitar and I stuck it under the bed because I wanted to be Billy Joel or Elton John. That's who I wanted to be. Really Elton John. Billy Joel wasn't really around yet. Um, I thought I was going to be a piano player. So then I saw Kiss and that changed everything. I knew, from the instant I saw it, I knew, oh, oh that's what I'm going to be. And I got voted most likely to be a rock star in high school. Um, and it was just really easy from then on. I got my first guitar. I started playing when I was 13 and on acoustic and I learned you know a few songs. I learned chords and I taught myself how to play and then I saw Kiss and um, I went out and got uh, the Kiss Live album and I also got Molly Hatchet and that changed my life because I learned every song on there and I used to pretend I was a rock star and stand on my bed and it was a stage and um, play all the solos and you know the outlaws were great with the green grass and high tides because it was just all soloing and so I learned how to solo with that country rock kind of stuff and you know I was like Hendrix was kind of before my time and um, you know I was into Boston and Aerosmith and that was more my you know what I learned guitar from. The first concert I ever want, went to was Parliament Funkadelic uh, at Madison Square Garden with um, with Bootsy Collins opening and I was the only white guy in the whole place and I had the greatest time ever and got introduced to funk which now I just love anything funky um, and then the second concert was Kiss at Madison Square Garden my brother who was the director of the Metropolitan Opera at the time took me on the one day I had off from the private school I went to in upstate New York um, he took me to see Kiss and that's what did it for me was that KISS concert. That's when I knew. I actually thought Ace was from space and um, it didn't matter because that's what I wanted to be. Uh, the first band I was in, I, I grew up in Pittsburgh and there wasn't much of a music scene in Pittsburgh. It, it was okay, but um, the band I had, we only knew six songs and we'd play at parties <laughs> and sometimes we'd just play those six songs you know, twice and that would be the set. <laughs> Um, you know, so I had my own apartment, you know, dad had some money, had lots of money when I was a kid. And so I, we had 11 acres and I had a whole like apartment that was on the property. And so I had parties and we would jam all the time. Um, and then I went to my bands. Oh yeah. And then a guy I knew, uh, when we used to spend time in Florida on vacation, I met a guy who was in a band and he got me to be in his band called Fortune and I did that for three or four years which did all the whole Lauderdale circuit Miami Lauderdale uh, the button south you know and you'd play at the same place for like two weeks 
um, like Artstock's playpen. He'd be the house band for like two weeks, and it was heaven. It was like living in heaven. It was one of the greatest times of my life. But I was playing jump on the keyboards every night. I played a lot of keyboards in that band. Um, so I got sick of it. We even some of my songs um, got us to Star Search uh, with Ed McMahon. <laughs> And it just wasn't happening. I, I, I didn't like playing top 40 in that band, and, and I left. And the, the lead singer punched me right in the face. The first time and only time I ever got hit directly in the face with a fist. Uh, I moved to New York and got a job as a singing waiter. Um, and that was odd, <laughs> being a singing waiter. Uh, but I hung around at music stores, uh, Manny's and Sam Ash and um, uh, Pensasur which was called Rudy's Music Stop, and they were all on the same street, so I would hang around, every day I'd go there and play guitars and talk to the guys that worked there, and I heard about an audition for Fiona on Atlantic Records. Um, and I went there, and it was like 20 guys, it was on Long Island, um, it was Joe Franco was playing in the band, Joe Franco and Donnie Kisselback, and Joe Franco plays with um, Dee Schneider now, amazing drummer. Anyway, all the guys at the, at the audition were wearing spandex and their hair was all, you know, poofed out. And I was wearing this, basically, you know, with my hoodie. And, um, and I walked in there and they said, you're hired. <laughs> Without even hearing, they said, if you can play guitar, like, this stuff is not hard. You know, it's just three chords. <laughs> so Bo Hill was the producer and he used me on everything he did after that because I did the whole album for 500 bucks. So, you know, and he, I remember him coming to me and saying, you know, uh, I don't want to insult you, but how's $500 sound? And I said, $500? My God, that's incredible! I, you know, I hadn't even seen $500. So uh, I got a reputation as being, you know, a good-looking young kid who played solid guitar and good timing and fun to work with and would do it for, you know, peanuts. Uh, and that's how I got my foot in the door with Arif Mardin, who used me on the Bee Gees and the Chaka Khan and Howard Jones. By that time, I had gotten in the union and wised up to uh, what all the other guys did. But, you know, just uh, pounding the pavement with two gig bags on my back in New York City uh, was a great time in my life. So Bo, Bo Hill used me on all his stuff, and he also used Kip Winger on all the same stuff. So I met Kip for the first time, and we hated each other, absolutely. I thought he was the so full of himself, just absolutely conceited. You know, he hated me, I hated him, uh, but we did sessions together. Um, and we started to get along a little bit better once we worked together, uh, to the point where we... Uh, what happened? Oh no, Bo! Bo Hill asked us to write together. He said, you guys should write together. And I, at this point, I mean, I, he was okay, you know, and, and I sat down to write with him. And that changed everything, you know. I had this riff, and it was the riff for 17. And I didn't even know it was a song. And I played it, and he said, what's that? And he kind of talks like this. And I said, uh, oh, it's just a riff that I play. It sounds kind of like rat, you know. He said, uh, that's a song. And I'm like, really? And Kip's an arranging genius, you know, as you know from his classical album. He arranges for strings and all that. And he can hear instantly if it's a chorus or a verse or a bridge and he knows what keys what options you have to go to instantly um, and you write a song really fast so we wrote we wrote three songs in one day uh, Madeleine Time to Surrender and 17 and I thought I just met the greatest guy in the world and I just wanted to hang around him and learn from him and you know he he taught me everything I know about songwriting um, and from then on we were pals and still to this day he's my best friend and I talk to him almost every day. Me and Kip became roommates and then Kip went off to do Alice Cooper 
Um, and then we put Winger together. Uh, Winger, um, we almost didn't make it, but but we uh, were put on uh, MTV. Rod Morrison had a friend at MTV. Put us on Headbangers Ball at 2.55. I stayed up. And that one showing made Winger take off, and we sold a couple million records, and that was great. Our first show was with the Scorpions, and we were horrible, uh, you know, because we had never played together as a band, and it was in front of 10,000 people, and everything went wrong, and Kip didn't know how to talk to the audience. He just talked like he normally does, like, you people are great, thanks a lot, great to be here, you know. And we almost got fired, but then he uh, changed his whole rap to be more like Klaus the next day. He was like, you know, want a party? And it was much better. And we went on to, to do Winger for, for three or four years, and, and then it fizzled out like everyone else from the 80s. And I was broke and had lost everything, sold all my guitars. Um, and I, Kip told me about an audition for Alice Cooper. And it was in L.A., and I didn't have enough money to get there, so I borrowed it from Kip. And uh, 500 bucks, and went to the audition for Alice. And the only reason, uh, you know, I was so nervous. Uh, everyone was there, Warren Martini. The only reason that I got it, Alice Cooper, is because I sang. Uh, he did the song Poison, and I, you know, got up the mic and went, Poison, you know. Um, oh, I, and the first record I did with Alice was the live album. Uh, maybe the only record I did with Alice was a live album, which they stupidly filmed um, on our first gig ever. So the first gig I ever did with Alice was their live album. Uh, I hadn't practiced any solos. I just was kind of improv the whole night. But I did get to jam with Slash and Sammy Hagar, and I partied with Slash, and that was a wonderful experience. He was very, he was very, very sweet and nice to me. Um, and so, yeah, I did Alice for four years, which was cool. I met a lot of great musicians that are still my friends today. Um, and I remember telling Alice, hey, this other gig is, has come up, uh, and I got to take it because it's just more of a, um, it's more of a guitar-oriented gig for like one guy you know it was it was Doc and you know replacing George Lynch which no one could ever do I know but uh, you know taking that spot which is some big shoes to fill and Alice understood he was really cool about it he said you know Alice Cooper is just a stepping stone for great musicians and I thought that was very sweet of him and he was like a father to me and um, I, I learned more from him than from anybody. Dawkins was the most fun gig I've ever done because uh, we just drank the whole time, and basically, as long as you showed up, that's really all you had to do. And also, I could solo for like five hours because Don would just leave the stage. <laughs> you know, he'd sing one one verse and chorus, and then he'd leave <laughs> and go smoke a cigarette, and I would just jam for like five minutes. So that was a really, really fun gig. That was the biggest party of my life for those years. And then uh, we were scheduled to open for White Snake. And I got the White Snake gig, so I had to call Don and tell him that he's opening for me now, and that was really something to be able to do that. Um, but Don and I are super close uh, these days, and um, you know, he's a, he's really a good friend and really fun. I love Don, um, and I got the White Snake gig through Kip again. He got me the contact to to send my stuff. So if it wasn't for Kip Winger, I wouldn't have had any of these gigs. I've been in White Snake now for 13 years. Uh, David is so good to me. Uh, he's a great boss. And, um, you know, the music's great. It's perfect for me, actually. It's right up my alley. And I do feel like a rock star in this band. And, and I hope it continues for as long as it can, because I'm sure having fun out here.